So we are in uh, Romans chapter 4 today, and uh, Lord Weldon will be finishing up this great chapter, looking at verses 13 through 25. And we are making such great haste in these particular passages because they are so tied together that um, it might do more harm to break them up than, uh, than to keep it together in a unit like this, even though it's a, a longer unit. Verses 13 through 25. And actually, the whole of chapter 4 uh, really hangs together as, as Paul's teaching on justification by faith, giving examples of that. In chapter 3, he had brought up the topic of being justified, that is, being declared righteous by God. And in chapter 4, he's showing why that it works that way, why it's necessary. But before we actually look at chapter 4, I want to go back and just remind ourselves of where we began in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17 in particular. As we noted uh, when we were back in these verses, these are the, the key verses of the entire epistle and kind of a summation of, of all that Paul is going to be presenting. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now you notice as we've been going along how Paul has been talking about the, the Jews and the Greeks, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. And, and as he said at the beginning here, that the gospel is for all who believe, Jews and Greeks. Verse 17, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Justification means we are declared righteous. And where does that righteousness come from? the truth of the gospel of what Jesus did on the cross for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith just as it is written the just shall live by faith and so that phrase the just shall live by faith could be taken two ways one is that's how you begin your faith uh, your, your spiritual life is by having faith in order to be justified or justified by faith, but also the just live day by day by faith. And both of those things are equally true. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. From that point on to chapter 3, verse 20, Paul talks about the problem of sin in the life of all men. Uh, and actually culminating with 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he gives the good news of uh, the justification by God. And in uh, 3.26, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so we've been looking at being justified by faith. And we uh, want to conclude that today with verses 13 through 25 of chapter 4. Just by way of a little bit of review of chapter 4, what Paul has said so far is that we are justified by faith apart from works. And Abraham is an example. Just as Abraham was justified uh, by faith, his faith was accounted to him as righteousness. And apart from doing any works. Now, it's not that Abraham didn't 
do good things. He did good things and he did bad things. But it's apart from any consideration of that, God justified him based on his faith. Faith, not according to his works. Then in verses 9 through 12, we saw that, that uh, we're justified by faith apart from circumcision. And, and Paul says, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you come to God the same way through faith in Christ. And now, thirdly, he says we're justified by faith apart from the law. So you don't have to have the law in order to be saved. You, uh, you have faith in Christ even apart from the law. So he's, uh, he's going to describe what that means here in verses 13 through 16. Let's read those and we'll go back and pick up a few main points. For the promise that he would be, uh, this is talking about Abraham again, promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So, verse 13, the point he's making is that faith came before the law. The promise that he would be heir to the world. When that promise was given, originally was given in um, Genesis chapter 12, when, when God first called Abraham, and then it was re-communicated to him in chapter 15 and then chapter 17. But the promise that, that he would be uh, uh, the heir of the world was not to Abraham and his seed through the law, but it was through righteousness. So just like um, in the previous section, Paul made the point that circumcision came much later than Abraham being justified by faith. That was in Genesis 15. 14 years after that declaration of being justified by faith came about the right of circumcision. So Paul made the point. First came faith, and then years later, the idea of circumcision. So Abraham was not justified by being circumcised. It was by faith. Well, this is the same kind of point, but it's even stretched out further. In fact, in in Galatians 3, Paul makes the point that the law was 430 years after Abraham's faith. And so, um, the promise to Abraham that he would be heir to the world was not related to the, the law, which came in Moses 430 years later, but it became by Abraham's faith. So, faith comes before the law, Faith supersedes the law uh, because this first point is true because faith came so much earlier than law and that's what um, justified Abraham. It, just by virtue of that, supersedes the law. But also, uh, we read in verse 14 and 15, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. Uh, for where there is uh, because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law there is no transgression so 
if, if those who were of the law were heirs, if you had to have the law in order to be an heir, then Abraham couldn't have been, nor could have Isaac, nor could have Jacob, uh, nor could have Judah or any of the other sons of Israel. Think about it. None of them could have been saved. They, they, they couldn't have been heirs. And they are all counted heirs. Um, so verse 14 says that it would make a f- uh, faith would be made void and the promise would be made of no effect. Um, verse 15 says uh, because the law brings about wrath. Um, chapter th- 3, Paul said that by the knowledge of the law is sin. So by having the law, they knew that they were sinners. The, the law didn't uh, release them from sin. The law showed that they were sinners. That's, that's what God's word does. It proves to us, it shows to us that, well, we have sinned against God's word, God's law. So the law doesn't bring about justice. The law doesn't bring about salvation. The law brings wrath. Because the law brings about wrath. And then, for there, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Um, now, Paul uses a different word here. Instead of using sin, he, Paul never confuses the two ideas of sin and transgression. Transgression is something different uh, consistently in Paul's writing. Sin is uh, what we all do. For all have sin, for instance. We're all guilty before God. But transgression of the law is having the law, knowing the law, and saying no to the law. And that's what the Jews did. So they are, if anything, more accountable. It's kind of like if you, if you imagine having uh, two properties that are adjoining. And to cross over into one um, is, uh, is a wrong thing to do. But if there's no boundary marker there, no sign posted, no trespassing, you wouldn't know that. And, and so you'd have a hard time making that stick. But if, there's, if it's posted, no trespassing, and you still cross over there, then you knowingly transgressed, you trespassed. And that's Paul's point here. For the Jews who had the law, they transgressed. It's not that um, they were more righteous than the Gentiles. If anything, they were more accountable because having the law and the prophets, they should have known better and they still transgressed. So faith comes apart from the law that it might be, um, verse 16, therefore it is a faith that it might be according to grace. In fact, this verse uh, gives two purpose statements. The first of them being it's, it's a faith so that it would be of grace. Of, of all the ways that God could have saved us. I mean, he could have decided, okay, it's, it's by your works that you'll be saved, and, well, gee, none of us would be saved. But, or some other way. Well, I can't think of another way that would work, that we could actually earn it or know. Imagine if it was, if God did say it was by works, how would you know how many works you had to have? You know, where does that balance the scale tip in your favor and and so in order that would be of grace God made it by faith because by our having faith 
he makes it of grace. By grace we are saved through faith. And even that is a gift of God. God gives us even the faith to believe in him. So it's all of grace. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to God's grace. And here's the second purpose statement. Um, So that or in order that the promise might be sure or certain to all the seed, to all the descendants. How could it be guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham? Well, notice this. It's not only to those who are of the law, but those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So whether they had the law or not, the, what unifies them to Abraham is faith. Those who, are, who walk in the steps of faith of Abraham, as we saw last week, those are uh, those who have like faith, and they are, in a, in a way, spiritual descendants of Abraham. So it doesn't matter whether they had the law or not, it's whether they have faith or not that makes a difference. So we are justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now we see in, in Abraham's life that not only is he justified by faith, but he is an example of living by faith, and we see that in verses 17 and following. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So God is the object of Abraham's faith. And as we said before, it's not just having faith in general, not just trying to believe hard, but it's who's your faith in? If your faith is in God, then that's saving faith. So in the presence of him whom he believed, God, the the person of God, that God was able, and notice the power of God here, who gives life to the dead, and who calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I mean, those are two powerful statements about this, the, the power of God. Abraham believed in God who was able to give life to the dead. Perhaps this is a reference to um, Abraham's offering up of, of uh, Isaac. And we get the, uh, the information in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham accounted that God was able to even raise up Isaac from the dead in order to keep his promise. Because you imagine Abraham now, he's finally got Isaac, and he's an old man, and he's thinking, okay, this is my son, this is the son of promise, and I'm going to have to, God wants me to offer him up as a sacrifice. How is this going to work? How am I going to be a father of many nations? And he thought, well, God could even raise him up from the dead. He's able to resurrect him. And perhaps this is a, what that's a reference to, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God is omniscient, and he's, he's not waiting for things to happen to figure out uh, what's going on. He knows the end from the beginning, uh, and all his ways are perfect and sure. 
He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He is so sure of what's happening in the future that he can call it in the present tense. This is true of, of you, that he even declares you justified because he's going to guarantee it. He knows that you are going to arrive safely at home in his arms because he will bring it to pass. Uh, he's able to call those things which do not exist as though they did just as with Abraham he, he was able to tell him and you'll be the father of many nations and all the world would be blessed through you he could guarantee that would be true even back in Abraham before he had his first son so that's the the object of Abraham's faith he believed in that kind of a God uh, the faith look at verse 18 who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations to what was spoken so shall your descendants be who contrary to hope in hope believed well that is when faith is most needed isn't it it's when things are contrary to hope I mean if you have high expectations that something's going to work out the way you think or want or something then then it only takes weak faith right but if it's contrary to hope then that takes great faith we face uh, things continually in our life which are are contrary to hope as the the facts don't quite line up in in our favor Uh, in a in a month or so the uh, Iowa State basketball team is going to play the University of Kansas there are some who contrary to hope still believe that Iowa State has a chance Um, no they don't (laughs) and that's the idea that of, of even when it doesn't make sense to believe if your faith is in God God who is able to raise the dead God who is able to call things as if they were even though they have not yet come into being that God even though it doesn't make sense who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations now remember that God changed Abraham's name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of many nations, or many peoples, people groups. Abraham. Now, I want you to imagine Abraham introducing himself. So, he's meeting uh, some Canaanite tribal leader and um, shakes his hand and the guy says, okay, what's your name? My name is Father of Many Nations. And, and the guy looks behind him, where? Do you have any children? Uh, how many children do you have? Uh, none. And your name is what? Father of Many Nations. Well, who told you to be named that? I mean, who, who would name you that? You don't even have any children. Well, my God 
named me father of many nations. That's the kind of God you have? You don't even have one child and here you're an old man and you say your God wants you to be called the father of many nations? Hard it was for Abraham to walk by faith. Everybody he met, he had to go through this. Your name is what? He was probably a joke to many people. It isn't easy to, isn't always easy to walk by faith, is it? People will not understand, especially people who are not believers will, will not understand. I mean, you're doing what? Why, why would you do that? Why would you give up this? Because I believe God wants me to. Why would you go there? Because I believe God wants me to. It's not always easy to live by faith. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and there were people who were scorning him and mocking him and ridiculing him and at one point they looked up at Christ on the cross in his agony and said, he trusted in God. Let's see if he will have him now. They were mocking his faith. So this is, this is what you get from trusting in God, huh? Let's see if God will have him now. And so what did the father do in order to vindicate his son in that moment? He turned his back on his son and poured the full wrath of our sin upon his son. Because he... The idea of faith is not to make us look good. It's to glorify God. And Jesus did that to the extreme. Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed that God was able to do this. Now, you know in the story that Abraham decided to help God out, remember the incident with Hagar and Ishmael? And uh, they went for a while with no child after the promise. And, and so Sarah gave Hagar, her handmaid, to Abraham. He had a child, sure enough, Ishmael, but that's not the one. And God said, no, this one shall not be your heir, the one who comes from Sarah. I think we sometimes do that, too, when... Uh, walk by faith we want to believe what God has said and that we don't see things turning out exactly how we thought they might or should or that God wasn't living up to his bargain yet in our timing and so we push the issue a little bit and force it and try to come up with our own schemes to bring about God's will well Abraham learned some important lessons about, about faith and, and God's timing but this passage of uh, Romans doesn't, doesn't talk about that incident. It talks about Abraham's life overall and how he, he walked by faith. In particular in this instance of, of uh, him going to have a son and being the father of many nations. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, uh, seven points here to make on the strength of faith here. First of all, in verses 19 and 20, we notice that faith both takes strength and gives strength. Faith both takes strength and gives strength. And not being weak in faith, it, it takes strength. In verse 20, uh, he was strengthened in faith. Having a strong faith takes uh, strength from us, but it also gives strength to us as we exercise faith. Even when Abraham considered the facts, he took into account his age and Sarah's age, he still believed that God was able to do this. Um, and, and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead because he was about a hundred years old and Sarah was younger she was 90 but he also didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb she had never had a child and so it seemed like she was incapable of having it and certainly not now at 90 years old um, weak faith considers the wrong things weak faith looks at the obstacles and what we read here is uh, Abraham was not weak in faith because he did not consider these facts as being determinative it's not that he didn't realize how old he was or somehow forgot that Sarah hadn't had a child. It's, it's not that he wasn't aware of these facts, but he didn't take them into consideration in view of whether he should have faith or not. Weak faith looks at the obstacles. Abraham was looking to God who is able to give life to the dead and to uh, cause those things which do not exist as though they did. He was looking at that God not his own self. You think about times when, when we have weak faith. What are we looking at? Isn't it, isn't it our own selves, our own situation, our own obstacles? Those things really overwhelm us instead of keeping our focus on God. Uh, a guy named Stifler wrote, weak faith looks at difficulties and scarce looks at God. Strong faith looks at God who has promised and does not see the difficulties. Well, that may be true, but um, I have found that those with, people I've known with strong faith are people who do see the difficulties who even though they do see the difficulties and acknowledge it, don't count on those difficulties as the basis of their faith. They're looking past it to the God who is able. Uh, he did not consider his own body already dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. And perhaps this is where Verse 17 comes in. 
who believed God who gives life to the dead. Maybe he was thinking that way, gives life to the dead. Abraham is considering his own self about dead, and so is Sarah. But to give life and enablement to them. Verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Now the word waver here in verse 20, he did not waver at the promise, really means to pass a judgment. It's based on the, the verb to judge. means to make a distinction between things or to pass judgment upon something. The King James Version says he staggered not. The idea of this word for waver is it's like a person who's going one way at one moment and then makes a 180 degree turn and decides to go a different way. Goes a different way. It's... it's um, making a judgment call that at one moment they say this is true then the next moment they say no this is false then no this is true then no this is false false that person is wavering that person is making a distinction or a judgment on on something abraham didn't do that he didn't um he staggered not in his faith we all struggle with faith There are doubts that enter in from time to time. Uh, But struggling is not the same as staggering. Struggling is not the same thing as stumbling. Struggling with your faith or uh, having doubts sometimes is not the same as denying the faith, right? Having some doubts is not the same as denying the faith. And that's what Abraham did not do. He didn't deny. He didn't decide one moment to trust God and another moment, no, I'm not going to. He's not worthy. So it's, it's kind of like sin and temptation, the relationship there. Um, the, the, the temptation to sin is not the same as sin itself, right? Uh, even Jesus was tempted in all points like we are, but he was without sin. So it's possible to have temptation without sin. So it's possible to have doubts sometimes without denying the faith. In fact, I think that uh, uh, struggling with our faith, sometimes having doubts is a healthy sign at times because at least it shows there's a presence of faith that the person is struggling with. My concern is the person who never has any struggle. Then, then I wonder what kind of life are they really leading, you know. Uh, but Abraham didn't waver. He didn't pass judgment that God was true one time and not true another. Um, as one person put it, uh, I often tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles under me. I often tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles under me. That rock is Christ. Godly faith is not being full of understanding, but being full of trust. That was the faith of Abraham. He didn't know how God was going to pull this off, but he trusted that God was able. And God would be true to his word. 
Verse 20, and he, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. That is what living by faith does. As we walk in faith and live by faith, it brings glory to God. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham was fully convinced, totally persuaded that this was going to happen. Why? Because it was God who had promised. He didn't know how, when, or why, but he knew that God had promised and he was, he was totally persuaded God is going to do it somehow. The reward of faith, verse 22 and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness now this goes all the way back to verse 3 of this chapter where um, Paul began talking about Abraham and for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and then the rest of what he's been saying in these next 20 or so verses is how that came to be because it was he's justified by faith apart from works apart from circumcision apart from the law and he was a person who walked in faith and verse 22 and therefore that's why it was accounted to him for righteousness and uh, the lesson of faith faith verse 23 and following now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. It wasn't written just for Abraham's sake. Um, we're not reading this simply as a story of, uh, of a history of Abraham and saying, well, that's great for Abraham. Glad to know that he got uh, justified out of that. He was declared righteous by that. It's not written just for his sake, but it was written for us, verse 24, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe on him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. It was written so that we could understand what it means to be justified by faith, what it looks like. And that all of us who believe on him who raised up Jesus from the dead will be justified by faith like Abraham was justified by faith. Verse 25, speaking of our Lord, who was delivered up because of our offenses. He was offered up as a sin offering for us. Look at chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. <clears throat> Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. 
That's what Paul means back here in Romans 4.25. We raise up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses. Why was he delivered up? Because we are sinners. Why was he crucified? To pay for our sin. He was offered up because of our offenses, and he was raised because of, or meaning for the sake of, our justification. It's not just the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ. That he, he didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't just pay for the sin price on the cross, but he overcame death by the resurrection, and he was resurrected for the sake of our justification. Because he not only died, but rose again, we can be justified, all who have faith in him. We can be justified, Paul says, like Abraham was, if you have the faith of Abraham in God. Gladys Alward was a, a missionary to China many years ago who was forced to flee the Jap when the Japanese invaded Yangqing. But she could not bear to leave her uh, work behind with only one assistant, she led more than a hundred orphans over the mountains toward free China. In their book, The Hidden Price of Greatness, Ray Beeson and Renelda Hunsaker tell what happened. By the way, it was made into a movie later too. Some of you may remember. The Hidden Price of Greatness. Anyways, here's what they say. During Gladys's harrowing journey out of war-torn Yangqing, she grappled with despair as never before. After passing a sleepless night, she faced the morning with no hope of reaching safety. A 13-year-old girl in the group reminded her of the much-loved story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. But I am not Moses, Gladys cried in desperation. Of course you aren't, the girl said. But God is still God. And how true. No, you're not Abraham. You're not called to be an Abraham. But God is still God. And your faith is in the same God who is able to do miracles in the life of Abraham, who is considered dead physically. He's not going to do anything else. And God was able to do a miracle. That kind of God. And all who have faith in him are justified. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your great grace toward us by which you have made known to us this path of salvation, this way of justification through the death and resurrection of your son oh lord that you would love us so much to give such a gift and as we approach this uh, christmas season and the celebration of your first coming lord we want to remember the um, um, the sacredness of that event and uh, what a gift it was for you to come to this earth for us Thank you that you were willing to do that for the great love that you extend to us even now and that all who believe in you can be justified by faith. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, and God bless you. Uh, just remind you, choir practice at four, and uh, the small groups all meet here together just after that, just after six. So.